Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you and enjoy. The story of the prodigal son is maybe one of the most famous gospel passages. Almost everyone's heard it. It's kind of funny because it is one of the longer ones. You think you'd like the shortest center and sentence in all of the Gospels, which is from the Gospel of Luke, and Jesus wept. Nice, easy one, right? But we love this passage because deep inside us, we really love being loved. We really enjoy knowing that someone will love us, enjoy us, and see us. But one of the things we all desperately want to know, but maybe don't want to know, or at least I should speak to myself, sometimes I want to know this, but sometimes I don't, which is, will someone still love me if they really saw all of me? It's one thing to love me when I'm using my gifts and talents. Like, okay, I have a talent and gift for preaching. I know that. You guys have all been very kind to me in my two years here, letting me know you enjoy my preaching. Such a gift to know that as a priest, that his people enjoy his preaching. But then, like, the question comes, well, what if you got to hear my confession? (laughs) Like, will we still be loved if we're seen? What will someone think of us? And maybe more deeply, what does God the Father think of you and me? So I want to just go through this story again, but from the level of identity. The beginning of the story, the younger son goes to his father and says, give to me everything that's going to come to me when you're dead. Which in some sense is can only come from the heart of a son or daughter. You can only ask for the things that are going to be owed to you as a son or daughter if you're a son and daughter. So even though it's misguided, there's still the identity of him being a child of the father. And so the father gives him everything and he leaves the father behind. He goes to a far off country and the farther he is away from the father's love, the more he forgets who he is. The farther he's away from the Father's orbit of delight and enjoyment, of tender mercy, of a Father who believes in him and thinks the world of him, the farther he is away, the more susceptible he is to lies about who he is. And then he begins, as we hear, prostitutes, lavish living. Imagine the worst parts of Vegas. And these sins are the symptom or the evidence that he no longer knows who he is. They aren't necessarily the problem. Our sins are not necessarily the problem, but the manifestation of the problem. We don't know who we are, our identity. Are we good? 
Am I lovable? Are you a gift? Or do you have to posture and hide things? Is your deepest identity an unrepeatable image of God? Or is that just a nice thing that we hear, but deep down inside, we believe other things? So he gets into a famine, like rock bottom, we would say. And he begins to realize, wait a minute. The servants in my father's house, they have it better than I have it. So he begins to go back. And he does what I do a lot. And when I'm in the confessional, I hear that I'm not alone. We kind of do this together, which is we try to save ourselves. We try to fix ourselves. And when we do that, we always compromise on our dignity. We settle for a lesser identity. The son heads back to the father saying, I will now be your servant. See, he's willing to still live out of a lie. And this becomes a rather respectable lie. What is a servant? A hard worker. He said, you know what? I will work now. I'll work for my father. My identity will be hard worker. My identity will be servant, slave. And at least I'll have some perks that go with that. But the freedom of being a son or daughter who just gratuitously receives gifts. Many of you, your college students went back home recently, or went back to college, but they just raid the fridge. Because just everything's theirs. They're a son. They're a daughter. Why would they have to ask if I can have whatever? It's mine. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. There's a freedom of self-giving love from a parent to a child. When you're a son or daughter, everything that is the father's is mine. Not because I'm entitled, but because he calls me son. On the way back, when we try to fix ourselves, we forget the gratuitousness that the Father wants to give us things freely just because he loves you. And as he's getting close, actually it says he's still a far way off, excuse me, he's still a far way off, it says, the Father caught sight of him. How? How? Because the father was always looking for him. Day after day, the father's heart has been aching for you. God, the father of the universe, has been longing for a thing called relationship with you. He knows the far off places and the things we can get into, but you're always his daughter. You're always his son, even when we make a royal mess of it. And in those times, because of the pain and shame, we do not feel like sons and daughters. So the father catches sight and runs to him. A very foolish father. He had every right to stay with arms folded on that front porch but he couldn't help it because the son is so 
good. Not because of what he did, because of who he is. Each one of you is remarkable to God. The Father says, I will do anything to have you be with me, to let me love you. And so it's the Father's love. The Father runs to this confused child and hugs him and kisses him. And the, he's like, I'm no longer to be able to be called your son. I mean, the, his little act of contrition thing, the father doesn't even care. He's not impressed by words. He doesn't need the right formula. The son is now close enough for him to love. And it's in the father's eyes, the father's voice, the father's kiss, the father's embrace, and the Father's heart that's communicated that this confused man remembers, I'm his son. This is what reconciliation is. It's not just the garbage dump where we put sins and then we get to feel better. We're reconciled to who we are and whose we are. We're reconciled into intimacy with that lavish love of the Father. And it's so important that you listen to everything happening in your heart right now. Are there desires rumbling? Beautiful. I would love that kind of love. Is there that other voice? Yeah, but. Is there another voice? I've tried. I don't get that. I don't know how that works. All of that needs to be shared with the Father. This is what it means to live in Jesus. Jesus is, in his very life, the Father's love and our humanity. Theologically, we say, true God and true man. In him, these two realities meet. Our need for love and being reminded of who we are and the Father's infinite Niagara Falls of love and delight. So when we are baptized, we're baptized into Christ, it says, into this union. In the Eucharist, this is what's deepened in us, the Father's affection for you and our ability to just be open to such love. And then we're free from having to earn, prove, accomplish, and show, see how good I am? Look at all the things I did. To the Father, they're cute, but not necessary to be good and loved. He already did that when he made you, and he redid that when Jesus died and rose for you and me. We come to church not to be good boys and girls, we come to be reminded deeply through the word of God who we are and then to receive it again in the Eucharist. Properly speaking, you and I get to be spoiled at Mass. Now one final note. 
My life story is such that I don't necessarily easily identify with the older son, but if you remember, I was a jazz musician and actor, so going far away from God was more my story. But if you're someone who maybe stayed in the house, the older son has no idea he's a son either. He says, I've stayed in your house, I've done everything right. His whole relationship with his dad is, I never did anything wrong, therefore you should have loved me better. And the father says, everything I have is yours. You get the sense that the son, the older son, has had big desires and wants, but has hid them in the name of doing what's right and is upset with the dad for not getting the lavish party that that punk brother of mine just got. And the heart of the father is the same to him. I am with you always. Everything I have is yours. I.e., did you want a big fat party for all your friends? Did you ask? Did you want to feel love and special? Are you working hard because you think that that's what makes me love you? Do you think I wouldn't love you if you made a big mistake? This may be a little shocking, but it's 100% true. God says to you, do you think I wouldn't love you if you stopped going to Mass? We don't come here to earn his love. We come here to receive it anew and be bathed in it. It's a sin to miss Sunday Mass for your sake and mine, not for God's. He's fine. We come here and it's an obligation to come every week because if I told you I was giving you a million dollars every Sunday and you didn't show up, it would look insane. If I'm giving you freely the lavish love and healing grace of God every week and you're not showing up, it looks insane. This building is a special place because in just a little bit, the God of the universe who loves you as a good dad says, you're my son, you're my daughter, I want to bathe you in dignity and love. And our prayers and our response are meant to posture us in vulnerability so that that love can rush into the deepest places. And then we can be set free to show the whole world, I know what you're looking for. Come and see. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church, Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us.